0: Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 2014, is it 2014, yeah, 2014, Infinitely Polar Bill. I'm just gonna keep it rolling because that's that kind of day. Not Infinitely Polar Bill, but Infinite Polar Bear, which would be a good name for a movie if someone hasn't thought of it already, Infinitely Polar Bill, if if you're out there and you're a film student. (laughs) grab that title before someone else takes it. Infinitely Polar Bear, uh, based on a true story, and addresses a lot of points about bipolar disorder and treatment and family stuff going along with that. Joining us today, uh, as she does first Monday of every month, almost halfway through the year, which (laughs) I'm not sure what to think about that, um, is uh, author Anne, Anne Feustel. Um, author of our favorite films um and thank you so much for being here today i appreciate it yeah i'm,
1: I'm always happy to be on i, I love being on and uh, yeah this this movie is amazing i can't wait to talk about
0: it right. and, and i inadvertently missed um titled your book our favorite films but what it's actually our favorite movies though films um, is part of the subtitle How yeah, affect our, our, our favorite mental health?
1: F- our favorite movies, how films affect our mental health. I yeah, was gonna so. let
0: you slip on that one, <laughs> correct? And um, <laughs> and we had alluded to this uh, prior to recording, but I last time you were on, we were talking about Charlie Bartlett, I was a little grumpy for lack of a better word with a lot of stuff going on my life so I I do apologize you know for to you as as well as to any listeners who may have um caught that um not not that my life is any less hectic since since it's that time but I I I give scouts honor I will do my best to be considerably less grumpy than I was that episode (laughs) (laughs) that's life you know and that's I guess the joy of podcasting is sometimes you get uh not so um, flattering, um, you know, points of view coming from the podcast host, and you know, <laughs> so, so be it, I suppose,
1: because we're all human.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and one of the the uh, drawbacks or benefits of not having do, not doing any editing is what you're listening is what's actually being recorded with no editing or or whatnot. Um, now, I do want to mention, um, if you are going through a rough time today and need, need to reach out to anyone, I know there are a couple different crisis text lines. Uh, in the U.S., you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741, 741. In the U.K., you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Depending on where you are in the world, um, check your local listings. As we say. Um, Yeah, Infinity Poly really, as you had pointed out, um, based on a true story. And it is um, Mark Ruffalo, who many people will either know from the Marvel movies or from, and similarly with um, his his, uh, co star. In, in the film. Um, Zoe Saldana. Same thing. Um, mm-hmm. Cause if she was in the terminal, the Tom Hanks movie and she was in some other movies as well, but she's also pre- predominantly known for the Marvel type movies. So, um, so yeah, so that's, so, with, so I mentioned that because many people hear those two names and they'll immediately go one direction or the other. Yeah. Right. Right. Are they going
1: more towards the indie and the excellent acting or are they going towards the Marvel, which well, I guess Marvel can have yeah. good acting, but it's not quite as, as amazing yeah. acting as, as some other movies.
0: And, and for both of them, I would imagine it was a more of, more of a, a movie they wanted to do rather than, uh, than a paycheck movie right as, as that term goes not, not not to discount the guardians of the galaxy or discount the holic or anything like that. that's not what i'm saying at all but you know what i mean the ones, the ones where they do the movies to get the financing for the smaller movies like this i suppose is mm-hmm. what it was what it was getting at
1: yeah so sort of the movies that are about your heart mm-hmm. versus True. your head or your mm-hmm. you know I, I i try not to think about them thinking oh i'm doing this movie for a paycheck but Realistically, they yeah, paid someone lots and lots of money for those kind of
0: things. Yeah, and someone like me, and probably someone like you as well, who just uh, absorbs movies—you know, multiple movies a day in some cases—it's easy to get really cynical about that. Mm-hmm. Very easy to get cynical about it. You know, you see the day, and you automatically make assumptions about, oh, well, why are they in this movie? You know, that kind of thing. Um, but it is based on on a true story, though.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, the director, uh, Maya Forbes, it's based on her life growing up um, with her father who had a uh, bipolar disorder. And she, it was a very similar situation to the film where, you know, she, uh, her, her mother goes away to business school and her father raises her and her sister for a year and a half on his own, with the mother coming home on some weekends. So that is really what happened, and she also uh, wrote the movie. And her daughter played, you know, the um, older sister in the movie. Amelia was is her daughter, the director's daughter. And so, and that so that was who you know that was her. That was her as a little girl, basically, just not because yeah, exactly, but very very close to the truth.
0: Right, because the gist of the movie is that. Uh, well, well, she gets a job offer and goes. Well, well, well. First to finish her, it was I think an MBA, and mm-hmm. then goes to interview. And the Mark Ruffalo character stays stays home. And and they're they're the what I thought was interesting was the 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 dynamic between the two because they were not divorced. Well, they were they were sort sort of like in between married and, and separated, but sort yeah. of, just the, the nuance of that I thought was really interesting, particularly for that for the time period. And I was also struck by some of the not so, um, and it seems almost quaint by today's standards, but some of the resistance and, 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 and static she got in her, her job search, as far as being a mother and, <laughs> that the interview just, just wrapped up just like, like that. Um, It's it's, like, it seems quaint by today's standards, but that's, that's just mind blowing that people were, were, were like that, you know, and that's not long, that's not long ago either.
1: No, that was 1978.
0: Yeah. That's not a long time ago at all, but that was really, I thought it was good how they kept it, you know, authentic and as honest as possible without trying to whitewash it or you know anything of, of, of that sort
1: yeah and the kind of things that would happen because there's one instance where the the dad character cam who has the bipolar disorder when he's hospitalized and he's given some kind of drug probably thorazine and sort of the way it's like in in the hospital and the way he's sort of reacting to the thorazine is from what i understand a very realistic portrayal of what it was like in a hospital around that time I actually my uncle was hospitalized around that time when he's he passed um about 15 years ago but he was hospitalized in the 70s a couple of times because he had uh depression and um various anxiety disorders and such so yeah
0: yeah this is a movie that it's a sort of movie that gives you the like the narration as it begins Which I I mentioned because when I when I went into it, I thought that the narration part of the movie would be part of the film, but it's not, meaning that they're already married and they're already a family together as the movie begins. So a lot of the, you know, getting to know you part of it and whatnot, that part has already taken place at the time the movie begins. Right. Which
1: I never no, I don't know if I've ever heard that the narration's already begun is that what you oh yeah
0: yeah i mean like the story's already in progress i guess okay that's
1: interesting i never really heard that phrase before but yeah no that's totally true i would and yeah with a do you like that when the when that happens when you go into a movie or would you prefer him not to do that? that well
0: that's that's an interesting point um you know, I got to think about that because sometimes, sometimes I do want to see like sometimes just just the way this story played out. It felt like I was, you know, and it's a good you know I'm not I'm not, not going by, by any means, um, but mm-hmm. it just felt like I was plopped in the middle of the storyline. In other words, right. because there was so much story before the movie started, and it's like for example, the the um, the, the Mark Ruffalo's character, his family background. There are a few scenes that'll you know make reference to his his upbringing and his family background, and something like that. For example, I felt that there could have been a couple more scenes that kind of fleshed out that part of the story, because that that's mm-hmm. dealing with. Um, and for those who don't know, my I lost my father um, a few weeks ago, so some of the stuff in relation to his family background. Uh, Sort of rings true for my experience, just in the last, and, and nothing mental health related, but as far as like, you know, estate planning and stuff like that. Um, not that I have like some bizarre dream that my dad was, you know, some multi-billionaire he's going to leave me, you know, millions of dollars and put it in. So I don't have any, any you know, pretensions about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that would that'd be nice. But some of the the, the details as far as his, his background, they sort of seem... You know, consistent with what I've experienced as far as having, like a family trust. You know, does, does that make sense? In other words, like because like, he wasn't able to access access it because his. um I'm going off on some major tangent off in left field here. I don't know if I should. Have, I don't know if I should. Have <laughs> I gone. wasn't sure where you're going there. <laughs> yeah, buddy, but, but th- that's just one we'll of the see. little one of the little details that I sort of um noticed because. If, if, because his his parents were of the mindset that, oh, you know, you should just stay home with with the kids, blah, blah, blah. And why, you know, and they had a a set, uh, you know, perspective, you -hmm. know, regardless of what anyone else thought. And some of the details in the film, I thought, I don't think I've seen that in a film before where.
1: It was interesting because it seemed to me like from that conversation, that scene, that they had money, or at least his parents used to have money and they didn't anymore, but other people in the family had more money, but they weren't like sharing it necessarily with other people. You did see that the grandmother was paying for their apartment Yeah, yeah, at one point, so it sounded sort of like some of them had more money than other people, and it was all about sort of control over people and and what they would and wouldn't pay for
0: yeah that's the impression i got and that they were sort of using that as leverage against against camp that's what it it felt like in a way yeah but there it definitely had you know the the family dynamic going on in the film which you know obviously many many stories about you know mental health and, and and mental illness and and depression or bipolar, et cetera, it's always, it's always good when I, when I see that that context in there because when it's just that person only, you know, in a vacuum, so to speak, without the, the family dynamic, it sort of lends a whole nother, you know, um, dimension to it. You know, you get a wider picture of it. Right. Um, and, and you get, you know, and more so in Infinitely Polar Bear, you get this, you know, intergenerational perspective because you get his parents, you know, you get that, you get the couple, and mm-hmm. you get you get the 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 kids. So I thought that was really cool that you've got this, you know, and each one has a different person. So you've got the story going on where you've got these three different perspectives all coexisting at the same time.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I really think it's just fascinating and, you know, just what it, but, and also the character of Cam and, and yeah, how everybody relates to him and who he is from one moment to the next, the next, um, is just really fascinating, but also even just the difference between the two girls and how they relate to their dad and you know, with the older one, she's just you know she's that much wiser, and she that has that much more experience with him. Um, so she has a different view of her dad than the younger daughter does.
0: Yeah, and I also like that even though it was set in the 1970s, you know, for the most part, I think maybe early 1980s, but for the most part, 1970s, it didn't feel like a 70s movie. It, there, there was none of the obvious you know, soundtrack selections or wardrobe right. choices that would clearly indicate, oh, by the way, this is a 70s movie. We're going to remind you of it every scene. I didn't I didn't get that that feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seemed like the emphasis was more on the story.
1: Exactly.
0: Because you, you've seen that before where this movie set in the 70s and it's like every song in the soundtrack reminds you of it. Everything they're wearing reminds you of it. And it's just but this one like i said it takes less than 70s but it doesn't feel like a 70s movie
1: no and yeah no i think that's great um and you know it was sort of interesting because the um, the real life dad of my forbes the director the real life cam was all about um video and apparently he never he always had like a video camera in his hand would shoot everything and it sort of felt more like you're watching like a home movie as opposed to a '70s movie. Yeah, and they were. Uh, I guess Maya Forbes originally wanted to shoot the whole movie on like Super 8 film, but that was too expensive. But she really wanted it to be a very, to be as personal as intimate as possible. So I think that might have something to do with the fact that it we don't. It's not a '70s movie.
0: Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Super 8 because. And like I said, my my um, ever attentive and, and detailed eye saw, uh, I guess, one of the producers was the, I don't think the name, with the computer in front of me, and I'm, I'm going to go by memory, not by Google, but uh, Bad Robot, that production company that, mm-hmm. um, JJ to, like, um, yeah, J.J. Um, so it's definitely, it definitely does. Feel, and I hate to say this about an independent movie because this is clearly an independent movie, it doesn't feel like a studio movie. And I hate to say this about a movie that, um, is clearly an independent film, but it does have a J.J. Abrams stamp to it. it. It does feel there are moments that it does feel like that because. There, like the opening scene, the opening, the opening scene where it's, the, the, you know, the, the, the daughter giving the, the overview, it has that super eight feel of. Well, that.
1: actually, some of that was the real footage. Oh, it was? The oh, dad. Cool.
0: Yeah. Cool. So that was the actual, like,
1: half of it, you know, obviously was the actors. Yeah. But half of it was, was actually real footage that, yeah. that the director had kept that her dad had shot.
0: So I think it's, do you think it's possible, or do, I don't know if this is obviously just conjecture or guessing on my part, but do you think that that home video part is what got the attention of J.J. Abrams, or at least that's his production That's entirely company?
1: possible. I mean, it could be that he was attracted to it because he, you know, that's that's such a big part of sort of his, I don't want to say brand, because that yeah. sounds kind of yeah. commercial, but you know that's what he's interested in that's that's what he's you know did he direct did he direct the movie no super i 8? think
0: my the, the impression i got is that they barely just signed on as a producer or added the, the logo to the to the movie so it's generally just the financing part of it more or less mm-hmm. yeah mean.
1: so he's producing this one i just i'm just trying to remember if he directed the movie super eight which was obviously oh yeah so I, th- I think super he 8,
0: so. i think he did Yeah, and of course, some of the the more casual movie watchers were listening at this moment, going, What on earth are they talking about? (laughs) Sorry, guys, (laughs) we're in a tangent now. I'm doing the tangent, yeah, yeah, but I'm doing
1: the tangent this time. Super Eight is a fantastic science fiction movie, it is, and and the film Super Eight obviously plays a big role in it, so I'm not sure. If J.J. Abrams directed that, or if he produced that movie, I'm sure I could find that out.
0: I think it might have been pre- or directed, or or, or both. Um, but and yeah, and then one thing I I did mention to you b- before we started recording is one of the things that I sort of, um, and for any parents who are listening, it is PG-13 for, for, for language, but also. It's R actually. Oh, it, it is, it is rated R? It's R.
1: hmm
0: thought it was PG-13. Oh, okay. I, it I is,
1: could have sworn. Oh, it
0: is rated, oh yeah, it is rated R. hmm Huh. Well, I learn something new every day. <laughs> I, I, should, <laughs> I should be, I should be more, uh, you know, well-researched on, on my podcast. I didn't even know that. I thought it was PG-13. Huh. Isn't that weird? Like, he, once you get like over once you get over twenty one, it's like the movie ratings don't really matter unless you're you know mindful of you know the parents. Right. and also I could
1: go into ratings all day, but one thing I you know it's rated R for language. Yeah, if we want to go, I could go into a very short tangent here. <laughs> that fact that I don't think that things should be rated just for language. I yeah. mean, you have these PG thirteen movies that are super violent. Yeah, versus R movies with a lot of swearing in them. Yeah. Which one should kids see? I don't know, but...
0: Yeah. It, it oh, br- uh, brief, brief sidebar. Strange. Brief sidebar. Did you see a movie a few years ago called That This Film Is Not Rated? That's the name of the film, That This Film mm-hmm. Is Not Rated. Mm-hmm. And it is a sav- I, mean, I do mean savage, because the MPAA, supposedly... I don't think they're at the MPAA anymore. I think they're MPA now, but this movie had the same effect as like a super size me had on you know mcdonald's and you know burger king this movie this is film is not rated had the, almost a comparable effect on the industry and the whole point of the movie was basically like you just said there's no rhyme or reason to a lot of the ratings
1: oh maybe i what, have seen that what one. they would do is they,
0: they, they go would, behind the scenes about yeah how they rate and movies. they would yeah, have because yeah, yeah. i remember when i was little uh and obviously this was you know, predating the PG 13 rating. But I remember when I was little, I would see movies like um, Kramer versus Kramer, which was PG rated mm-hmm. PG. And there was full frontal nudity in that movie rated PG. Yeah. Um, there were other movies where R- PG rating, not even, you know, and it's just there's just and then you, then they do like a side by side comparison between okay here's a PG-13 rated movie from 1980 whatever here's a PG rated movie from 19 whatever here's an R rated movie from 19 whatever and they do it like the side by side comparison and you're just banging your head against the wall like what is the <laughs> rationale and, and obviously people outside the U.S. they're probably banging their head against the wall too because some of the other countries ratings are no better than the ones in the u.s right i, th- I think th- i think i do like the one in because there's some dvds where i see the ratings like their import dvds since have the rating on them i think england has more ratings than the u.s but mm-hmm. I, i'm not certain on that because I, I think they they revised their ratings about 10 or so years ago but I could be I could be mistaken on that. But anyway, end of end of sidebar, I'm sorry. <laughs> um but on, on that point about the movie rating, so um yeah, and one thing though on that that, that bugged me was the the smoking in the film.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of smoking. I you know, I I do I mean I know a lot of folks who have mental health issues yeah. who smoke. So it it can definitely go hand in hand. Um, but like you said yeah earlier like you said earlier there's it just chain smoking and chain yeah smoking it and chain it,
0: smoking. it can, and it can get annoying if, if it's something that I guess the way of putting it would be if you're looking for it you'll notice it <laughs> if you're not you won't I was thinking during the movie I'm
1: like I know that they say that that the smoke in those things is harmless but let's yeah let's hope nobody finds that 10 years down the road. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Not only for him, but for the kids, that was one thing about the movie that
0: I did notice the
1: smoking as well, actually. And I was like, I really hope this isn't something that would affect the kids at all.
0: Yeah. And every few years you'll, you'll always see these studies coming out about smoking and cinema. And I'm, I'm always mindful of that because I am obviously I, I'm not a parent, but I'm conscious of, you know anything that's in a film that that kids might pick up on and 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 um and whatnot and that's oh,
1: don't they have it now where you're, it's rated r if they're smoking in it
0: i i think i think I so think they have a higher rating if they're smoking yeah so that I,
1: might be part of the reason why they got the r rating
0: yeah but um but yeah and the other thing that um is noticeable in the um in the film is even how bipolar is is treated because my understanding is that i don't want to say in the old days but you know in in the old days in um, the old days didn't it didn't have different like diagnostic labels like in the, the dsm and other books they would have it would be listed as they would have they would have different categories of it in other words or different terms for it I'll have to take your. I mean, it was manic
1: depression then. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know when that switched over, maybe sometime in the 90s when they switched over to bipolar from manic Mm -hmm. depression. But yeah, yeah, that was manic depression then.
0: Yeah.
1: And actually, wait a second, because they're calling it polar bear. So when, you know, was that really? Um, when when exactly? It must have been that time. Was it must have been they were using either term? Yeah. Now, now I'm curious. Now I want to know. <laughs> that's a that's a good. Point.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna estimate around somewhere in the 1980s because that's mm-hmm. when a lot of the medicine started being advertised on TV and a lot of the Conversations about prescribing, or whatnot, were much more um, prevalent than, than they are today, and a lot of the diagnostic, uh, you know, whatnot, whether it's a DSM or others. I think that's, So I would say that would be my guess. Would be sometime in the 1980s, because anything sooner than that, a lot of the the conversations around mental health simply weren't being had around that time frame. I, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, it is, it is a good movie. And I, I, my understanding is that when it, when it premiered, and it is a theatrical film, by the way, um, as, as, but my understanding is that when it, when it was pr- premiering, that it was used, uh, understandably and, and, and appropriately so, as a fundraiser for, for groups like NAMI and MHA, to um, to raise awareness because that's something that i I always notice like when there's a film that comes out and they and you always you always wonder like what they're going to do like for promotional reasons if there's something that can and apparently this was used in some nami chapters or mha chapters it's kind of like for to raising awareness which is always a good thing i like to see you know if if they're doing something like this it makes
1: a lot of sense that this would be the kind of movie that would do that just because it's just so realistic Mm -hmm. You know, I mean that's you know I have bipolar disorder and I really relate to Cam in a lot of situations. For me, what I relate to him most is sort of that childlike joy, wonder, and sadness that he goes through. I can relate to all of those kinds of things that, that he expresses and that he goes through. I, I just felt even though he, you know he screwed up very badly many times, he was still a good guy and, uh, you know, cared deeply or cares, isn't dip- what well, he cared because he's no longer with us And the characters, mm-hmm. the character, but just, just what he was about, who he was, what his moods were, you know, all of those things, his personality, I really yeah. related to a lot of that.
0: Yeah. well don't you and and th- th- there's one scene that I like where and I' mentioned his feeling background but don't you like that and I'm not I, I'm not spoiling anything by the way at least I hope I'm not spoiling anything but the scene where he he takes he takes the kids to that that house the house where he grew up and he wanted the, um, the left <laughs> the there to give them a tour and he, and he goes on and he, he goes what do you want me to Give you guys a tour just because you were born here and he goes yeah in fact <laughs> I, I love that scene that is probably my favorite scene in the movie it's a fun little <laughs> scene for sure because it's, you have to wonder about that i mean in my mind as i'm watching that it's like yeah why not i mean if the guy's not doing anything why not you know humor the guy give him a little tour you know my, what what would be the great harm grandfather <laughs> was born in this house in 1888 yeah, that was a great scene, and I'm so I'm so glad they kept it in, the, in that in that in that, that
1: the, film. It was they're pl- they're practically <laughs> expecting us
0: to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so. yeah, it's like, are they expecting you to go? Yeah, they they should be expecting. Me. <laughs> That's like my favorite scene in the movie. I mean, of all this, all the scenes, like that one is is my favorite. And, and then and then when they're leaving, like the daughters are like, oh, you embarrassed us. That was so embarrassing. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. But yeah, I mean, have you had those moments like when um, when he doesn't return till the next morning and everyone's wondering where, where he is? Have you had those moments like that where there are people wondering like, oh, where did, you know, where did you go? That, that kind of thing?
1: Um, not, I mean, like I can relate to him in a lot of ways, not necessarily the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really, I haven't really been one to like disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, luckily I got treated fairly you know, from this from showing symptoms of, of mania mm-hmm. to when I started getting treatment for it, it mm-hmm. wasn't that long of a time. Yeah. So I didn't and I have taken, you know, I've done the treatment. I've I've taken my medication. I know some people mm-hmm. are about med, some people aren't. I yeah. take my medication for my issues because that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had a lot of experience with what Cam did, which was not taking medication, not getting treatment and all that kind of thing, um, which can more likely lead to the kind of experience where he'll go off and nobody knows where he went. Um, So I guess the short answer is no, I haven't really been the one to like disappear for a day or more at a time or leave kids uh, unsupervised for a long period of time.
0: Yeah. Oh, and and on that point, I did want to just emphasize something you had mentioned. Um, and, And as you may know, and I alluded to this, before on prior episodes, um, I'm I, I'm absolutely supportive of of everyone's recovery wherever you know you may be wherever whatever recovery looks like for you. So I just wanted to emphasize something you had said is if there is anyone who is looking for a med change, always 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 talk with your doctor about that. Don't ever do it unilaterally. So I you know I'm I'm supportive of you wherever whatever recovery looks like for you. But I just want to reemphasize that don't ever do any med changes without notifying a doctor so that they're exactly. keeping keeping in the loop that's so so important <laughs> so so important um but yeah the um but yeah this is uh like I said, it's a really good movie I, I really liked it i know that the dvd and a lot of people don't really watch dvds and blu-rays anymore i still do i'm like super old school on that because i know there's a lot of non-mental health oriented movies or movies that I couldn't really talk about on this podcast that are still getting released on DVDs and Blu-rays. So mm-hmm. I still I still go old school all the time on movies. My,
1: um, I got this, my sister bought it for me for yeah. Christmas one year, a oh, couple cool. years ago.
0: Because
1: cool. I, I just adore this movie. I mean, I yeah. just, I saw it the first time. It was, you know, most of the movies that we talk about are ones that I say, hey, Brian, we should watch this movie. <laughs> so this is one of those that I just, it was, although we some of them, obviously, we were we both came to like love yeah. and mercy, where we had yeah. both seen it already. Yeah. But for this one, I'm glad I was able to introduce you to this
0: one. Yeah, yeah, and definitely for those who might be saying to themselves, "Well, is it on Netflix?" And I hear when people ask that, is it on Netflix?" It's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me when I hear that. But those for those who might be saying that, um, definitely take my word and take take um, Anne's word on this. If you want to go the offer to get pick up the DVD or Blu-ray, pick up the DVD and Blu-ray, because you're gonna get more out of it than just watching it on Netflix.
1: But I will tell you it's not on Netflix. Oh, it is <laughs> so, not on Netflix.
0: Okay. Not on so, Netflix. for those wondering I think it it's was not at a Netflix. some point. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'll 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 tell people Brian doesn't want to tell you, but I'll tell you. No, I'm not <laughs> knocking on
0: Netflix. It's just that you know what I mean. That's that's one thing everyone says now. That's like the new you know, go-to statement, oh, is it on Netflix? That's the first thing people will say when you mention a movie now, is it on Netflix? And it's like, who the hell cares if it's on Netflix or not? That's that's like, you know, what, relevant you know what I mean? It's like, that's the whole notion of, is it a good movie, yes or no, has been replaced by, is it on Netflix? The all-purpose answer, is it on Netflix? <laughs> it's like, that's an entirely different topic than if it's a good movie, it should be, Yes or no? Not is it on Netflix?
1: You can ask both <laughs> questions, though. <Ilo. laughs> I I don't know. There's there's something that's amazing about Netflix for me, just because it's so much easier than you know going to the library, yeah. and finding a DVD, or like putting your own money into buying the DVD. If you're already paying for Netflix anyway, you may as well yeah. get something out of it. But I do think there's a lot of movies out there that aren't on any streaming. Yeah. Um. That are just not going to get the same kind of attention that that maybe they should mm-hmm. be getting. Yeah.
0: And um, of course, whenever I say that, I sound inevitably like Martin Scorsese telling kids to get off my lawn. So I always yeah. have to be I always have to be uh, very judicious in my uh, sharing of that sentiment because I know people are probably listening, going, "What's that guy doing? We're not going on. And I'm not going on Netflix. I'm just saying. I'm just saying." Please do not say is this movie on Netflix because there's people like me who hate it when people say that. <laughs> um, yeah, and you no, can it,
1: find out very easily if something's on Netflix. That's yeah. not <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> just looking for it. Look for yourself and don't ask Brian. Yeah.
0: Oh, and and one thing. Um. And I guess I am in a better mood since since the last time we were on the air because, like I said, there was uh, some not so nice stuff going on that was probably nagging at me, and some of that still, stuff still going on. But I guess I'm not in a, as grumpy a mood today. Um. But one thing we didn't go into, um, like what other uh, movies have you been watching lately? Whether you know mental health related or or, or non mental health related.
1: Um. Uh, so. One movie that really blew me away, but it was just so violent, was I think it's The Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah, Harley yeah, the, one, the, the, suicides, the Suicide Squad one. Mm-hmm. It was really good, but it was so, so dark and so gory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But I really liked it. I liked the fact that it's, you know, about a group of, of women who kick butt and take names, and there was but there's definitely the some stigma in that movie you know just anything with a joker there's something going on there dc in general i get very conflicted and i wanted to bring the movie up because i get very conflicted with these movies where there's part of it that i really love the movie Mm -hmm. because of all these different great stuff i love margot robbie but on the other hand it there's that sort of like you know, the Joker and Harley Quinn, you know, they have mental health issues, but they're also very violent. And it's like, are the two tied together? Yeah. You know, okay. not in real life. That's not actually, you know, just because you have mental health issues doesn't make you violent. Exactly. But, but some movies, it does seem like they're trying to say that is, that is at least in the world of this movie they're tied together so what do you think about movies like that
0: um i'm not sure i and i have to preface it by saying i love most of i don't want to say most of all of quentin tarantino's movies so Mm -hmm. which which i have valid reason for because many of his films are very much a um like a um like a mixture of different movie influences, whether Repo Man or early Stanley Kubrick movies or whatever, there's so much in it that it's not a quinter a movie. It's sort of like a a hodgepodge of different influences. So I always take it in that context. If there's, uh, the story is still everything. And so if there's violence that's not, contributing to the story if it's not uh if it's gratuitous violence if, if if i if i see something if a violent act and it doesn't seem relevant to the story that's i, I i'm much more harsher on that in my than than if it's than if it's an integral part of the aesthetic of the film if that makes sense
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i know for example there's um a lot of people who like Sam Peckinpah's movies, the, you know, the, the director who made *The Wild Bunch* and westerns like that. Um, a lot of movies are very violent, not quite Tarantino-level violent, but almost. Mm-hmm. And same thing, his movies as, as westerns are very gritty, very, um, you know, not quite envelope-pushing, but obviously not not kids' movies. And I think there's, um, when done appropriately, when it's not done in an exploitative manner, that's something that I sort of, I guess that, that's sort of like my barometer. I mean, is it done in an exploitative manner? Is it done mm-hmm. in a in a manner relevant to, to the story? Does it, um, Is there a consequence to the violence? In other words, like if there's a body count of like 210 minutes, how realistic yeah. is that compared to if there's, you know, one or two violent deaths, and it's done in a believable manner, you know, what I mean, something like right. that, where, it, where it's, where there, where the, um, the callousness is just kind of glossed over, because it's a movie, I don't think that's necessarily always, you know, appropriate, if that makes sense. So if, I guess my approach is, I guess, a little more nuanced, I guess, in a way. It. And what about movies that have a character who has mental health issues and
1: they're violent?
0: Um. Oh, you mean like like the 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 Harley Quinn movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. No, let's see, I think for me, I think for the most of them, they tend to be very cartoonish. Mm-hmm. They tend to be, because I'm just drawing a blank. Uh, I know there are some, but I know that they're, you know, that's a good question because you're right. Often when it is, because statistically, you know you know this, like, you know, barely 1% are the ones doing the violent crimes. They're more most exactly. likely to be, you know, the, the recipient of the violent crime. Yeah, um, yeah. But as far as when they're the ones doing the violent act, yeah, now that you mentioned that, it tends to be more of the cartoonish and caricature type of, um, no, I got to think about that now, <laughs> because because part of me sort of wishes that it could be a matter-of-fact thing where um, it's kind of just taking the story and not in an exploitative manner. Mm-hmm. Um I would say possibly, possibly, some of David Fincher's movies, where the bad guy clearly has stuff going on, but it's not done in a in a very blatant manner. It's done in a more matter of fact police procedural, Mm -hmm. like I think, like Seven, yeah, Seven, something like that, Mm -hmm. or, or or even Zodiac, where. Oddly enough, I think Marple is in that too. He is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think something like that. Where we're like David Fincher, for example, his his movies tend to be very, you know, almost like a police procedural sort of vibe, where it's not done in an exploitative manner that suggests, oh, someone who's diagnosed schizophrenia is going to be doing this. It's it's more along the lines of, oh, this is someone who has this background. And this is their mode, and kind of like don't like a law and order sort of thing. Right. Um, so I think it sort of depends on the director and and, and the script and how they're telling how they're telling the story. Because undoubtedly, I mean, textbook example would probably be Psycho with exactly. uh, Norman Bates. Of course, Psycho in recent years has. Probably like a lot of Hitchcock movies has become sort of reevaluated, and okay, do we do we really want to be talking about this in a, in a mental health context, stuff like that? So, Psycho, you know Norman Bates, that would be maybe textbook example, um, where he's just so cartoonish uh, a characterization that it it does bring up a lot of questions as far as what it's saying about mental health. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I th- and I know that I um, think Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and, and these both have the same story origin, by the way, at, at gain, I think it is, is the, um, the serial killer who that was based on. But I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for example, that goes way over the top where the, where the, the person's background is the very last thing you're thinking about.
1: Right, right. Much,
0: much like, you know, something like Night of the Living Dead where you know if you've got a bunch of zombies you know flooding that some guy's house you're probably not asking yourself okay does does this person have you know know, something that where it's so over the top oh wow yeah no i never
1: thought about it that way yeah
0: but but psycho i know in particular has been under more scrutiny in the last you know several years for that very reason for the, the mental health piece of it
1: well i think it should be i mean it's one of those movies it's interesting it's you know sort of considered and you know one of the best movies of all time some people feel that it's, that it's that way but it it seems to me very problematic in a lot of respects
0: yeah it is and and more so when alfred alfred hitchcock's got a ton of movies by the way i don't know i don't know how many people realize that but he is he, I mean, some of his early movies were actually not quite silent era but they might have been because he was originally from, from England, and then he got signed by, I think, Universal, obviously. Uh, and I think that was Universal. Yeah, it had to be because Universal Studios. Uh, but he has a ton of movies, you know, besides Psycho, you know, just a ton of, you know. You know.
1: And didn't he like redo some of his movies too? Well, like I, well, I think. Well, I think
0: them early in his
1: career, they, and then he would redo them.
0: Um, well, I know Psycho was, you know, let's, let's, Gonna forgive um Gus Van Sant because he did a shot by shot remake of, of I Psycho, saw that so it was not that great. We're gonna forget that movie ever happened. Yeah, let's do. Uh, but I think Hitchcock, and there's actually someone, it's funny you mentioned that because there is someone who I'm gonna have on the podcast uh in a few weeks who is familiar with Psycho, or not Psycho, but with Hitchcock, who could probably confirm this but my understanding is that he may have remade some of the the films um i know strangers on a train was remade as throw mama from the train with billy crystal in the the 80s Mm -hmm. uh 39 steps i think was remade i would need to double check on that um there was a there was a jodie foster movie years ago the red eye the one about the, the 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 plane the so that suspense movie on, on the plane. I think that was had some origins in a Hitchcock movie. I, I'm not sure which one it is, and I could be mistaken on that. Oh, actually, no, it was not that one. It was um, not Hitchcock. It's one of the things where I'm going to wake up at like three a.m. and think of. Uh, um, it's not a Hitchcock movie, but it's another movie that. On a plate, got it. This is not good. It's um, a movie about Panic Room. No, no, uh, Red Eye. Red-Eye. Oh, uh, the okay. So Red-Eye was
1: somebody else made that yeah. before.
0: And I have the tip of my tongue because it's being remade and I hate to say the movies being remade because it's being remade as a, as a PG 13 horror movie, which is never good. I'd rather be, be rated R and, and gory, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, sure enough, I'm going to wake up middle of the night three. Oh yeah. That's the movie. So um, what's the name of the movie? You know, and this is one of the joys of no editing on a podcast is you get to hear this in real time when I can't just <laughs> go back and edit it um, yeah you know what may have to wait till next 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 month and you know that that's everyone's cliffhanger the movie there we adds, go. the that's movie that could be a could be a Hitchcock movie could not be um, the, the guest I hear on news like I'll be sure to ask her about that when she's on so hopefully that question will resolve by the by the next time yeah um, and, and should we leave it like a cliffhanger for next time? Also, and not not say what movie we'll be talking about next time. We just let people, you know, find out yeah, for themselves. Just use your imaginations
1: <laughs> and exactly. just imagine. Uh, a- after all the movies that the two of us have watched yeah. and talked about, you know, what could we possibly be going to? Do yeah, not that, are,
0: yeah, not only that, but there are. Yeah, and not only that, but as as more states and cities sort of come out of the. Uh, lockdown status and movie theaters are opening and more movies are coming out it could be a recent film even it could be a classic it could be on you know video so it could all bets are off now (laughs) so it's (laughs) it's exciting so yeah so i i know as we wind down i did want to mention a few more resources for everyone out there um i know that uh mental health america is out there mhanational.org uh there's Mental Health America, uh, yeah, MHA National. There's NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness, N-A-M-I.org. And there's also your book as well, um, Our Favorite Movies, How Films Affect Our Mental Health by Ann Foistel. A lot of good, and the movie could be from your book, but could could not be, so we're going to leave people in suspense. It'll it'll be in the second book. Yeah, it could be in the second book or the third book um but yeah so cool um thanks so, so much for being here today i appreciate it
1: thank you really had fun and, today
0: and uh thank you those of you at home or at work wherever, wherever you may be um stay safe everyone and uh talk to you next time uh bye